Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Hey, produce people, welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Today is December 25th, 2023, Christmas Day for everyone who's celebrating, as well as the last Monday of the year. Now, this week, we also have two more episodes that are dropping. Tomorrow's live stream with John Papp, that is the history of fresh produce. And then on the 27th, we've got the Global Fresh Series with Juanita Gallio. So stay tuned if you're interested in hearing more from the fresh produce community. Were you able to join our virtual networking hour last week on the 21st? I hope you did. We just had fun. We wore holiday sweaters, some Christmas hats, and just overall reflected on the year of bringing people together in the produce and supply chain industry. Now, a couple announcements before we get started today. We are overjoyed with all of our sponsors who have been with us since 2020 and all the new sponsors that have come on over the year. Next year, April 1st, will be the fourth year of the Produce Industry Podcast. We're bringing on new content. We're bringing on new people. And guess what? We're starting more episodes just for you and maybe in a couple different languages. So everyone, it's the holiday season. That's right. And today we have a very special guest that was introduced to me uh, through Brent Aaronwert of Brothers Produce. Now, as the founder and CEO of Planet Harvest, Melissa Ackerman is on a mission to optimize the produce supply chain and create a positive impact on the environment, health, and society. Now, with over 14 years of experience in the produce industry, she has a deep understanding of the challenges and opportunities facing growers, distributors, retailers, consumers, and even healthcare providers. So guess what? We are going to learn more from Melissa on her journey starting Planet Harvest, where she plans on taking the company, and overall learning from a leader in the produce and supply chain community. From Produce Alliance, now the CEO of Planet Harvest, let's go ahead and get this episode started. Hey, Melissa, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me. Listen, as I always say, we never skip a Monday at the Produce Industry Podcast, no matter what holiday is. And today is Christmas Day. So again, if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas and get ready for the new year, right? It is, it's the week, as you said earlier in the green room, it's just a week to slow down. Am I right? Completely. Just oh. have some family time, reflect, decide right. what you're doing for the next year. It's amazing. I think so too. So everybody out there, I hope you're enjoying your family. I hope you're eating, right? I hope you're having a great day and just celebrating what you love to celebrate. And as I always say, family's the number one thing in our life. So hopefully you are taking that time and enjoying your family. Even if Uncle Kevin's coming over to starting an argument or something or calling you on the phone, it's still an opportunity to talk and spend time with family. Agreed. Agreed. That darn Uncle Kevin, man, I swear. No. So when we first started talking, we, I have been following you for a while, right? When you go back to the Produce Alliance days, and that's where I started following your story. And then when I saw you break off, it was like, what's she doing over here? What, what's going on? And then Planet Harvest came about. 
And for our listeners out there, we're going to get into to Planet Harvest. And obviously, if you listen to the intro, we gave a little blurb on Melissa. But Planet Harvest and the mission, when we first started talking, I just told you, we got to have you on the podcast. We got to let the industry know about who and what you're doing. Because when I saw this, it's about sustainability. It's uh, about food waste. And it's a collectively bringing it all together. So for our listeners that are out there, sure. I want you to give that 30,000 foot overview of Planet Harvest. Yeah, it's a very exciting time. And I loved my time and my years at, at Produce Alliance, building from a family business to building it into part of the Buyer's Edge family. But when I decided to make the change, it was really to be able to move into mission-based produce and mission-based customers and ideas. And the reality was, is there's so much good going on in our industry and we have so much opportunity to use existing infrastructure and existing learnings to move our category forward. So the mission of Planet Harvest is to increase percentage of consumption of produce in general and increase access. And where we believe the biggest opportunity is with excess produce or climate smart produce or rescued produce, whatever term we end up landing on, but they all mean the same to me. It's the produce that has not been harvested because it lives outside of the traditional specs that are in food service and retail. And as we know, a large percentage is left in the field because it just doesn't make monetary sense to be able to harvest it. But in what world and in what place can we make that make sense? What pick and pack fees do make sense? And where do we move this product so that we can get more people eating produce in general because it's available, because it's affordable, and because they've tasted it and they love it and it's doing good for their body and their mind? That's what it's about. I remember over a year ago, Ago, my buddy Shay Myers. I don't know if you remember that post he did that the asparagus market went. Oh, sorry, not the asparagus market, the labor market. He was not able to get his H2A workers over from Mexico. There was border crossing issues, and he had all this asparagus that was in the field. That what was he going to do with it? So he had to come up with something, and he literally created a you pick. Hey, just if you want to come out, come pick it donate what you want. And I believe, I think he even got some blowback on that because some of the, I'm going to say government regulators were like, that's against food safety, but it wasn't going to be picked. So you expected this farmer just to be out on his crop when now obviously Planet Harvest could have came in and probably taken a lot of that or helped with at least some of that, right? Yeah. I think with his issue being labor, it's a little bit different in the fact right. that like, we still need to get it out of the field. And again, but that's part of the hidden consequences that I think people don't realize. When this product is put back into the ground, there was labor that was put in to plant it. There was fertilizers used. There was water used. There's all of these things that have been used. And then on top of it, it's being put back into the ground, plowed under, and there's greenhouse gas emissions and carbon that's escaping and going into the atmosphere. And it's one of the leading cause, food loss, which is on farm, or food waste, which is more upstream, of right. why we're having global warming. And I think what Shay was thinking in like, how do we get this is really the epitome of like my thought process. Like we have food available and we have people that need to eat food and we have people that need more food in their produce in their diet. Let's look at the simple solution and figure out what are the ways to make that happen. And I think what's amazing about our industry is that we are such a big web of people. We have so many diverse distribution arms. We have so many different growers from the largest to the people that have urban growers. And so how do you bring these silos together to be able to move this piece forward for sustainability, for food as medicine, for general consumption? And that's where 
for me, is the exciting part of Planet Harvest. We like to be able to bring these different silos together. Yeah, excess produce in the field that creates food stability. I like that you said that. And by using multiple avenues, it'll help deliver more fresh produce. Now, again, maybe it's not that fancy that you see in the stores. I was just in Texas. I was on a few like central markets. It's like everything looks so pristine in like a central markets or a Publix. As I'm right down the street, there's a Publix here in Tampa. And I think as consumers, we're just, we're so used to seeing everything being so pretty, right? So we're like, this is what it should be. This is what it should look like. But I think there's still a lot of opportunity. And I think that you have created this, right? There's opportunity to do mission-based work, right? To increase that consumption, to receive produce in a new way. So how would people receive your produce? What does it look like? Yeah. So I think you hit on something really important, like the idea of educating the consumer is super important. And that's where I think the industry is in total can come together and help with that education. And we don't want to, one of the main things we're not trying to do is get to cannibalize sales within retail. We're trying, like you said, to increase it. So we're really looking at a few different areas. The first is food is medicine, which is again, a new area in total as a vertical, well, not new, WIC was the original food as medicine, but it's an area that's growing and growing in importance. And so I think if we have government and insurance and other things that are doing the medically tailored meals and produce boxes and produce consumption purchases in stores with different e-cards and stuff, that's going to increase consumption in general. And I think that opportunity is available to potentially not have to have like in a retail setting where every lemon is the same size and standard in these boxes or in ways that it can be merchandised, we can have different ways that it would be still appealing to the consumer, but letting them know that all produce is beautiful on the inside and that you really will taste the most delicious produce regardless. And it's not just if it has a blemish or a blunder, it's more that it's like a little bigger, a little small. So how do we get that bigger acceptance into our consumer's mind and ideas? You're so right. the first, yeah, so that's the first place food is medicine. I do. I love it. I'm a big, I'm a big produce person. My, my checkbook fills it every week. I tell my wife's always, you cannot send Patrick to the store. If I tell Patrick, Oh, go get a bag of oranges. I come home with like oranges, grapes, like I'll get $200. And my wife's like, why did you do that? I'm like, cause I want it. And I eat it. Like we go through a bag of oranges every week. And someone asked me the other day, they're like, what do you feed your kids in their lunch boxes? And it's even this morning, I was up at 5 15 this morning. I was peeling an orange, putting it in a container. I was putting blueberries in there and, and it's just food. I almost say like, I agree with you on the food is medicine, but I almost feel like it's like water at some points. Like we need water to survive. And I believe the more produce we consume, the better off you're going to be later down the road. Right. And that's why this food is medicine campaign is because I think a lot of people not I'm just saying a lot of people go for the Debbie snack sometimes because it's a cheaper option or they go for the Takis because of the flavor and they don't really understand the nutrients that comes out of this. Mm -hmm. And there, and if you do this throughout your life, I know a couple of people, one of our co-hosts, Juanita Gallio, 69 years old. And the way she eats, Melissa is impeccable. How she eats, the way she eats, like what she actually puts in her body, you would never know this lady is going to be 70 years old next year because she's, no, I eat clean. I eat tons of fruits and vegetables, right? I stay away from processed foods. I've had someone like Dan, the produce man, tell me, I don't know what a Debbie snack tastes like. I've never had a Pop-Tart in my life. And I'm like, 
holy cow, right? Obviously, I have, but that's yeah. That's but the and they're but they're also blessed, right, to have uh, yeah. food within their reach, and that they Very don't have to take two buses and five miles to walk. And so I think that's part of this whole idea is that if we make it more accessible, and if more people are demanding a percentage increase of produce in their market basket and what yep. they're looking for, then we're gonna see it in more corner stores and more gas stations yes. and have choice. And so that's where I'm really focusing in on. And I think again in the school system, like part of this might be a little bit on policy too, what are specs that are acceptable. And so we're working oh through all of that type of layers to be able to decide how do we best optimize the supply chain to use the current structure that we have to get more access and more products out there and less left in the field. You're, you're so right, because if you look at even the different grocery stores coming from Produce Alliance, you some of the retailers and distributors that are out there, if, and I've got a lot of buddies from Colombia, from Cuba, that they sometimes laugh at our produce, right? They're like, oh, I don't touch that pristine produce. They they actually go for the stuff that have blemishes on it because they see that as being more natural. Wait a minute, how is there this just perfect piece of citrus and every single one of them is so perfectly aligned in the store? But then you head to the Hispanic markets, right? Which is a completely yeah. different market. And they've got totally different sizes. And I love that you touched on the school system because obviously this is a big one. Like school systems are taking US number ones. It's gotta be a fancy, right? And in all reality, it's gonna be cut up either way. No one's ever gonna see the outside of that produce. So why does it have to be a US number one? Why can't we get this produce, this ugly produce or misshapen produce? Because you're right, the inside of it is just as amazing, right? It just maybe looks a little different, right? Yeah. But I think, Patrick, one of the really important things on this is to not lose sight on the fact that the growers are still spending the same money to plant this oh, and yeah. to do all those things as a grower. But I think that gets lost a little bit in the general public, too. They were going to throw that away anyway. So why can't you get it for free? Or why ah. can't it? Why can't? And, and those questions get asked all the time. And I think that the reality is, is that it's like a... <laughs> An old question on splits for me in my old life, because it costs the same amount of money to move packages a package. It costs money to grow this product and it yes. costs the and the labor and all those things that happen. So yes, there might be able to be some value purchasing within this product, but my dream would be that it just becomes another piece of the puzzle, just like you would have standard and organic and clap and all different specs. You would have climate smart produce or rescued or whatever the term is. But at the end of the day, to find a home for this is a solution for the planet. It's a solution for people. And it's a plan, definitely a solution for people broken into the farmer and for the consumer. That's where I think it lays. I agree. My son and I, it's, as crazy as it sounds, we've been ordering HelloFresh for five years. It's just a, it's a great option, right? And you could tell that the, these meal kits are not using the fancy of the fancy. My son, we had two peppers. One was a normal, regular pepper. And this other one looked like a J. And my son goes, what's wrong with this one? And I said, nothing. Why? And I said, all you got to do is cut it a little bit differently. And obviously he, he knows his dad's in produce. So he's, he trusts me and he cuts it up. Everything was the same. And that's what's great about that. So you can obviously see that grower, whoever packed that product, that's okay, right? But you're right. That probably wouldn't have passed to go into a grocery store or to go to export, right? The sustainability and food waste aspect is knowingly, and you can see it right here within the organization. And 
I, I told you this is, and hopefully, I don't know if you looked it up. But there's this movie called Robot. Robin Williams is was uh, one of the voices in there, and I just remember there was this this robot. His name was Mister Bigwell, and he would say, "See a need, fill a need." And I put that in with Planet Harvest. You, you saw a need for this. And you're feeling that need. And now it's taking over. And again, where it's more working on many aspects of produce, supply chain, and giving back to the entire community. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, and I think there's a fine line on figuring out how to be new and innovative, but then also relying on what's happening already in the system. And I think that's like a very big learning from the pandemic. Like we can't just live in silos. We have to bring things together and to take the learning and to invite many people to join on this rescued mission on this produce, because at the end of the day, there's so much of it. There's billions of pounds. And it feels like this is something we're working on in the US, but ultimately it's hopefully going to be something that we can work on throughout the world. And I think that really we got to think about forward thinking on how to teach our children, how to teach the next generation that's purchasers and how to demand that we're doing the right type of purchasing for our environment. Yeah. Think about how to think about things differently. Melissa, this is a great time. We're going to take a quick break. Here's some jingles from some of our sponsors during the holidays and we'll be right back. Discover orchard freshness on Amazon Fresh with Arctic Apple Slices. Arctic Apple stays orchard fresh longer than other prepackaged, pre-sliced apples. This means less waste and no more half-eaten apples. Plus, you'll love the undeniable freshly picked flavor. Arctic Apple Slices are available in convenient grab-and-go bags in both Arctic Golden or Arctic Granny varieties in select markets on Amazon Fresh. Packable, snackable, 100% irresistible. In the heat of summer, you're just counting the days until cooler weather and all those fabulous fall flavors. Packed with a refreshing flavor everyone loves, Noble Florida Starburst Pomelos. The largest citrus on earth and the perfect sweet fall treat you've been waiting for. Perfectly ripe for a limited time. Look to noblecitrus.com on where to purchase your next Noble Florida Starburst Pomelos. JGLC, the place to be, a third-generation, family-owned and operated asset-based company. Throughout their 60 years in business, integrity, reliability, and loyalty to their customers has remained their top priority. JGLC guarantees 24-7 communication with your personal logistics coordinator. They offer competitive pricing without sacrificing services. They operate throughout the United States and Canada. JGLC's customers count on them for dependability and dedication carried out on every order, every time. 60 years of service for all your trucking needs. Visit them at JGLC.com for your custom quote. Are you ready to enhance your skills? Every day we are tasked to make fast, effective decisions to keep up with the fast-paced produce industry. At AgTools, we take the pressure off of gathering data to help make your day easier and more enjoyable. Connecting the supply chain with AgTools is unique, practical, and easy. AgTools can be used from multiple angles of the produce industry, from farmers all the way to logistics companies. We call that 360-degree decision-making day after day. Visit us at www.agtechtools.com to gain more reliable and relevant data to see more, achieve more. And now, 
back to our show. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. It's always great to hear from Dynamite sponsors creating Dynamite content for the produce and supply chain industry. As it is Christmas Day, we are getting ready to wrap up the year. This is the last Monday show of the year, everyone, of 2023. Now, stay tuned because we will have a special episode coming out around December 31st. I haven't decided yet what's going to be on it. But there will be something coming out, whether it's just myself or maybe you hear from a few people saying what they enjoyed about 2023. So let's go ahead and welcome back Melissa Ackerman of Planet Harvest. Melissa, great to have you back. The, listen, the first part of the show was great. I always say, and I've said this in many podcasts, so if you are a, a frequent listener, it's never a dull day when you're learning something new. And my co-author Hans Finzel said this to me all the time, the day you grow old is the day you stop learning, right? So right. true, right? I saw I, I heard I saw you lipping what I was saying, right? So <laughs> it's, it's so true though, right? So as we learn, we get to engage more and we don't get complacent in the environment of saying, this is what I did back in my days. And you said this because we need to educate the next generation of learners, buyers, mm-hmm. creators, and people that might run our world one day when we're gone. Wouldn't we want to talk about these things with them? Sustainability, global warming, food waste. That's what we want. For sure. It's really a win if we can find the right avenues to bring this product. And so that's what I'm always looking for is like, how do we look at a vision and then make it, bring it back down to the practicality of how to take it from field all the way to whatever this new avenue is. Oh, 100, 100%, 110%, right? The win, we got to get an extra percentage in there. But let's talk about looking for ways to increase assumption is what you've done. And I remember talking to you a little bit about how you were explaining these verticals because I was like, where are you going with the product? And I still think that maybe some of our listeners are waiting to hear about that. And I'm not going to take the limelight for you. Talk about some of those verticals that you're in, but the potentials of where you're going with it, because that's what I thought was really cool. Yeah, so I'll start back with food as medicine for a second, because I think we talk about what food and medicine is, but I want to talk about some practical programs that we're doing right now. So we have the first thing about food as medicine is you have to have the right people at the table. So you have to have a healthcare system that's going to be able to identify the patients. You have to have, in my mind's eye today, a research partner that's going to be able to look at the data and really prove out what this is so that we can find a sustainable way of continuing to make this happen, which might be government funding, it might be insurance funding, it might be philanthropic funding, but it's a little mix of all all those, then you have to have supply because let's not forget the produce is super important. And so I think that's where we all live in the fact that we have our different supply chains that we can do this with. And then the final piece of it is where we have the distribution. And those are the, the main pieces of, of where we need to go. And so what we're doing is we have a test, for example, in Texas with high-risk pregnant moms that are being identified by Harris Health, which is the safety net hospital there. And they're being offered this program. They can sign up for the program. And then their doctor is looking at all of their testing and whatever. And then we have Brothers Produce Houston that's helping us with building the boxes. So we're purchasing the product and we're looking at how can we bring in this excess produce And once we build usage high enough, we'll be able to bring in more of this product. And so the product is made in in these boxes that are curated for the food needs of the high-risk pregnant patient. And then it goes from there to DoorDash, who is either picking it up from their warehouse or one of the trucks that we already have is being put within five miles of the patient's 
home and it's being delivered directly to their doorstep. So we're calling these mobile food pharmacies with an F because it's really allowing for this last mile distribution. And so it allows us to really get deeper into the community. Another piece of this that I didn't say, which is really important, I think is 501c3s. And I think that having a 501c3 that understands the neighborhood and understands the cooking, like we use Brighter Bites as an example in this in this right. project, but they allow to be able to teach about how to use the product. They do cooking demonstrations and they have bilingual different paperwork that goes inside. So that's one example of something we're working on. And we're looking to expand this into many other hospital systems. We have about three or four that we're going to expand to probably Q1, Q2, to be able to do the same thing with high-risk pregnant moms as an example. I love how you were like, I lost my train of thought. And that was amazing train of thought right there. Yeah, I don't care what you say. That was that went perfectly smooth into this. And it's so true because we need to get more produce. I love that you said that like pregnant moms, our third, my wife and I's third child, my wife had so many complications with her pregnancy. She had COVID during the pregnancy. She she got, geez, there was another, I can't think of that time, something that involved her skin, but she was getting like rashes on her skin. And a lot of things they were asking her, they're like, are you eating right? What does your diet look like? So it's so true. That, that's one thing that I think that people they say during your pregnancy eat whatever you want but I, well, you just said you were like no let's feed them what they need let's get them the consumption of fresh produce and totally. i'm telling you like you better trademark and- that that <laughs> pharmacy with an f you better do that because that was that's amazing i don't know if anybody has that yet but that should be on every one of your boxes going <laughs> forward and this goes past that. This goes to for six months of the child's life and then a month. And that's my goal one day. Can you imagine like your wife leaves the hospital after giving birth and gets produce delivered weekly or monthly to their doorstep and doesn't have to do the shopping? And I think that would be a, a great gift for someone to give. But it also is just an amazing yeah. thing that just like a photographer that goes around to the hospital trying to take newborn photos, you could sign up for this box of produce. So that's where we're working towards on that side. That, that is, But that is cool because it's, and it's something different, right? Because I think with today, environment and like you said it earlier about innovation right i think that's one thing that is just crazy people think innovation is like oh i'm a photographer i'll bring the photography to the hospital it's a great idea but it is that truly innovation? And I think that what you said was really innovative. It's like, how do we bring it like the healthy aspect of this right to the hospital, right? Or to schools or food banks even, right? Or what about, hey, listen, I remember when I was in college, as funny as I said, I put myself through college. My dad helped me out for a little bit, but I ended up paying for college. And I remember when I was going to college, I went to Fresno State, like I would run across to the Bulldog Grill and go get a, a pulled pork sandwich and then hurry up and get back to class. So it's there was not really many options. If you went to the, the Bulldog store, they had watermelon Sour Patch Kids, combos, yeah. like nothing that, <laughs> I'd be real, nothing that was healthy. And even the the restaurants downstairs, they were all fast food. And what they have was right at the checkout, Melissa, you'd have a bin of a basket of apples, a basket of bananas, but everything else was pretty much all fast food, even at the universities. So I have a very interesting story to relate to on that. I was at Lollapalooza this summer, which is a big concert in Chicago. And there's like an area to get food. The longest line, and I had to take a picture of this because it was just crazy, was at Farmer's Fridge, my friend Luke's company. And it's a salad in a jar type of Yeah, I've seen it at the airports. Yeah, and Simply Good Jar is another one. But that line, which is great, but that line of people was triple the ice cream and the pizza line. And it was people trying to get salads in a jar. And I was like, Woo! Like I had a light on, came on. I was like, 
this is amazing because people wanted that food. And the difference was in this area I was in, it was free. Like all the food was free. And so when they were able to get, because they had the access to it, the salads, the granola, all of that stuff that was healthy and kept people going, even at a major music concert, that's what people went for. That's what it needs to be. I, I So I've been, listen, if you've got to connect to Farmer's Fridge, you need to introduce me because I've reached out to them to have them on the podcast and no one has reached back out oh, to me. I got you. Yeah, got you. you need to because this is, I was in, I can't remember which airport and I went to the Farmer's Fridge and it was amazing because I was off the airplane. It was late at night and I'm just like, I just need something that's going to be refueling for my body. And I literally called my wife and was like, yo, you should see this vending machine that I just found. And I was able to get a salad right there. And then they had like wraps, they had the yogurt, they had everything. Eggs, yeah. And that's where I was just like, and then it's crazy because it was not even next to the other vending machines. So they had the, the vending machines that had everything else, which right. is fine. We all, listen, I always tell people, don't think I don't eat donuts with my kids every once in a while. Don't think I don't, like my, my wife gave me a pack of Starburst the other day. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, thanks. But majority it's, again, it's the level of what you eat and how much of it. But I was just like, this is amazing. It's truly innovative to let the people that want to eat that way, they can travel and not have to worry about pre-planning and meal planning. They could literally be like, boom, here it is. I, I love that farmer's fridge aspect. I, I really do. I think that is really key and true. And I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, because you know them better than I do. They refill that thing like pretty much almost daily or, or every other day because the thing's empty. Like when I went to it, it was almost empty by the end of the night, knowing mm -hmm. that one, the expiration date was still good, but you could tell people were in getting that every yeah, single day traveling to the airport. I see a lot of cat pilots and stewardess going there too, which again, they're living their lives in a in an airport. So it's really nice to have that option. And yeah, but it stood out to me. I always laugh at concerts and stuff. The women's bathroom line is so long and the men's is short. But this was a line that I was could be proud of that was longer than than the pizza area. But there's a time and place for pizza. I'm not against pizza. I know, dude, there is. <laughs> Listen, you're 100% right. I told my wife though, I can't do the corporate pizzas anymore though. Like I told her at this point, like they're just... I listen, I'm sorry, Little Caesars and Domino's and all this. It doesn't matter if I order a veggie pizza with white sauce. It's just, I still have heartburn. Like I almost have to go to the Neapolitan style flatbreads, right? That are made fresh. As crazy as that sounds, right? Yeah. Because again, yeah. you're getting a lot of processed foods that go in these big corporate brands. Again, no offense. I know there's a market for it, right? But you're right. There's a time and place for pizza. There's a time and place for cupcakes. There's a time and place for all of it, right? I think that actually brings us back to food as medicine though, because I think a big place in this is like what's easy and, and can be delivered to my home and is going to be in a price that I can afford. And so yep. when you're getting out of a hospital or when you're leaving from a knee surgery or a doc, that's I think another piece where food as medicine is a huge piece. And that's one of the other programs we're working on is like getting it directly to people's doorsteps that is coming out of a hospital and they can get medically tailored meals and these boxes of produce delivered to them. And we're doing eight different SKUs for different, for one different insurance company. But I think ultimately that can help with their recovery. If they have that stuff put into their diet, it's going to help with their recovery. And a lot of doctors and surgeons and stuff like that are also they get paid if the patient doesn't re-enter the hospital system. And so again, it's all about working this together to be able to make the patient as healthy holistically as possible. And that's exciting for our industry because we need to figure out how do we teach about functional medicine and functional foods, if you will, and how we should be eating these things to get this levels up so you have a healthy, better recovery. And so I think 
as th- there's a place and time for everything, but to keep us healthy, food as medicine really starts with the original vegetable produce group, which is our all the things that we sell. Yeah, very true. I was in the hospital in August. I'm not going to tell anybody why. And it's crazy because I have a dietary restriction. I do not eat beef, but just doesn't sit well with my body. So I was in the hospital overnight and for a couple of days. And my wife obviously was like, hey, he needs to eat. They haven't brought him his food yet. And I'm going to be real with you. They came back and was like, all we have is beef trays. It was all these meal kits were like Stouffer's meal kits, right? And everything was like Salisbury steak or I don't even know what that other one was. Beef stroganoff. And I was like, I just need a freaking banana. I'm like, can somebody get me a freaking banana at this point? And I remember the nurse was like, what do you need? And I was like, I need this and this. And unfortunately, when I was able to start eating, when they let me eat because of blood work and fasting to make you get it, it was like 1030 at night. And they're like, everything's closed. And we can't give you outside what the doctor's orders were. And my wife was like, he doesn't eat processed foods. You guys are, he is in the hospital because of a certain situation and you're trying to give him the foods that the doctor literally said he cannot have. And my wife, I I just love, I love my wife. She's babe, go to the store, be right back. Like my wife went to the store, got me bananas, got me an apple. And I was like, this is crazy. And, And that's why I think like what you're doing, like this could revolutionize the way that even patients are fed because why, Melissa, why in the freaking heck would you give a patient with stomach issues or no beef processed food. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. And I think it's also just a matter of, again, having the data and showing why it all makes sense. And there's hospitals that are turning into vegetarian, like only vegetable in, in New York City and stuff like that. And you would, you would have been happy there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like I, I, I've never had heartburn from celery and peanut butter. I've never yes. had heartburn from cutting cucumbers up and eating them. I've never yeah. had that. But I'll yeah. tell you what, when my wife had Domino's like two weeks ago and I looked at her, I said, I might as well just eat three Tums now, eat a piece of pizza and then eat three more Tums. Like Tums is like in my meals with certain foods at this point, because then I know like I can't eat amazing all the time, but that's where I was like, I I just, I can't. So let's talk about this as we close this episode out. What's next for Planet Harvest? Tell our guests what's next. We are looking in 2024 to really move into more channels. We are working with emergency feeding, different organizations to be able to use access to move into that channel, to be able to be prepared when something's disaster strike. We're looking to expand specs within retail in general and figuring out how to educate the consumers. And we're looking at schools and we're looking at different government programs. So those are where we're looking. What my ask is, I would love to meet with any growers that are interested in figuring out how we should move excess and being a part of the conversation. This company is truly being built by the industry for the industry. And so I think it's really important to have people's voices heard. We hope to be in, I hope to be in California in March-ish to be able to do a roadshow and see many different growers and to be able to see what is it that you're looking for and how do we really move the needle to get excess and get this climate smart produce outside of your fields. So that's my ask. Talk to us about it, meet with us and help and let us help move your product. And to any restaurant or retail that's interested in taking a leap of faith and working with this product, excited to talk to you as well about what opportunities are out there. That's amazing. And Melissa, as we close the last Monday 
of the year. Anything you want to say to the industry just out there just to let them know or what you're looking forward to for 2024 beyond a, Planet Harvest? Yeah, I'm a vision board type of person. So I think big and I think broad. And I think that there's going to be some really good things happening with the industry with partnerships being made that no one saw coming to really help our category grow it in large. And I'm just excited to see the growth and to become a bigger part of people's diet. I love it. Everyone stay healthy, stay safe and have a wonderful New Year's Eve. So as I say here at the podcast, we'll see you in the fields and on the horizon. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.